Hi, and welcome to a new episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick, and I'm on a beautiful walk this morning in uh, one of my favorite nature reserves. There is plenty of heather around me. It starts to bloom. I can already see the purple and the white, basically the two main colors here, in the field on my right side and on my left. Uh, Beautiful forest woods with pine trees and leafy trees. And then in between everything there is grass, tall grass, which I have to be aware of because it is still warm enough for the ticks to be active. And so I'm wearing my walking boots, the ones that brought me all the way to Santiago de Compostela. I'm wearing my walking trousers and I put the ends of the trousers in my socks just to, to be to be on the safe side with the ticks. But otherwise, it is super quiet here. I took my bike to, to get here. It's about uh, 30 to 40 minutes uh, bike ride to get to the entrance of the, of the natural reserve. And then from there, I'm walking. I'm carrying a small backpack with water and uh, a few uh, protein bars, although I don't really think I need them. I, I never was that hungry during previous walks, but just in case. And I never know really how far I will walk on a particular day. I'm just walking and I'll see how it goes. And sometimes <laughs> what will happen is I get an idea, I get all excited about something, and then I'm eager to go back home to, to, uh, to start working on it. And uh, this, I'm stumbling upon a, what looks like a bike trail here. It's, it's, there's asphalt or concrete, and that's actually not my favorite surface to walk on, even though it is uh, easier, but it's not very nice on the feet. So I'm just going to walk straight ahead, and I wouldn't be surprised if... I'll stumble upon some wild horses. I know they're roaming around here in this area, um, but the area where they walk is fenced off. And so, to prevent them from getting out, of course, and getting on the street, uh, well, we'll see what happens. I have to say, I'm so glad that I walked out the door to to record this episode, but also to, to just take a walk. I've been uh, busy the past week, uh, most, mostly focusing on uh, the biggest summer project that we have, and that is the uh, uh, getting the studios ready. In the rectory where I live, down the stairs, we have a few rooms that we are using, uh, but they were in a deplorable state. They have, had never been maintained uh, over the past decades, and so uh, we had to basically redo everything. The walls, the, f- the ceiling, the electricity, the floors. And all that is ready. And so we're now at the final stage of deciding the furniture that will serve us. And I'm getting more and more excited about the way it starts to look. It's beautiful. It's an area, it's a space where several people can work at once. And the, what, I've, what I really enjoy is trying to come up with the best way to use those spaces. Um, the, uh, 
the, the trick is it's, it's still relatively small. It's bigger than the space I had available in my own quarters upstairs. But we have three rooms. One is not even a room. It used to be a closet. And uh, we took out everything that was in there, including a, a wooden cupboard, tore it all down, and uh, created like at least a, a, a tiny space that can be used as a, as a miniature office. And that's going to be the editing space. Oh, I know where I am. This is another open area. There's a beautiful big tree here on my left. And ahead of me, it's a wide open space full of heather. And um, over time, nature has formed these sand hills. And uh, it's very poor quality soil. That's why the heather is so important to kind of keep it all together. It's gorgeous. I love that purple color. It's also uh, one of the dominant colors in the mountains during the last part of my of my walk to Santiago. Uh, so the uh, <laughs> that's that's one space, and we we're still kind of struggling with what would be the right uh, size, the desk size. You try to minimize everything to create uh, at least visually the most space in those small rooms, and I think we found a good a good way to make use of that of that tiny little space. Uh, so there will be place for an editor who will be walking wa- working on the Evid set and may also become a, an Adobe set because we're still working with Avid because the television company requires it. But for our own productions, I am very uh, interested in switching to Adobe because the integration with Photoshop and uh, After Effects is much, is much better. It's easier to use. And I think it yields better results in the end. But that is for the editor to figure out. And there's also another... Uh, chair in that space in that small room where uh, the director can sit so in case we are doing bigger projects where uh, it's not just me producing uh, an episode there will be the opportunity or the ability for the editor to sit down and me or another director can supervise that editing process and help the editing process and I for the the whole configuration I kind of looked at what other people did and it's as simple as googling uh editing studios and you could just go to the image section of google and then you see hundreds of examples of how other companies have created their editing rooms and of course a lot of them are much much bigger and full of equipment stuff that we don't have as a small beginning company but it gives you a lot of ideas on what are the kind of the basics of uh, an editing room like that did the same for uh, the second room on the left of the editing room, which is, uh, which I kind of baptized Studio One. At first, we wanted to create one bigger room for um, our both our podcast activities and the video activities, and we would have a, th- uh, a third room for our meetings, and potentially also uh, the work of, uh, let's say, a editors, uh, not not video editors, but people that write articles, for instance. Uh, or work on our social media channels. could also be a place where volunteers could help us with the administration, etc. But then we switched it around, and uh, the, the smaller room on the left of the editing room that was originally planned to be our meeting room will now be the podcast and streaming room. 
And uh, what we're going to do is to place a, a small desk uh, in the room. Again, it's not a very big room, but you need to have space for a place to present a show, record a show. There needs to be equipment, although you know most of it will be audio equipment, so it's not that uh, not that big. There needs to be a place for a camera to live stream, and so the. Uh, the trick is to create something that uh, is both good for audio as well as for video because I truly believe that these live streams will um, will be more and more important into kind of bringing what we do to bigger audiences. And over the past few weeks, I've been live streaming a number of my podcasts and every time it creates so much engagement on the, on the Facebook page, uh, in the stream itself, and all that... The, the people reacting to each other and liking um, really helps our the our page our our Tridio media page to become more visible to other um, Facebook users, and so we see this steady grow of followers, and uh, that's exactly what we want. In order to bring our content, you first need to kind of dig a channel <laughs> or canal, we would say here in in Holland. And then you can put your boat in and bring your goods to your customers. So that's kind of uh, what what I hope will happen over time when we stream more. But in order for these streams to be more attractive to people to watch, I want it to look visually much better than we've been able to do so far. Uh, and go beyond the, let's switch on a webcam and just record something. <laughs> um the tr- the kind of the, the thing I'm struggling with right now is how to create a nice backdrop because we again it's a small room one of the walls is brown I did that on purpose to create a kind of a warmer color you can, of course if, it, if it's an office space the kind of the first idea is to paint everything white but that creates such a an office space feel to it, it, it let alone if you if you uh, record video it just looks really boring so I wanted to have something warm and originally that room was supposed to be the room for our uh, our meetings and one of the ideas that I had is well let's put a flat screen tv on that wall so that if we are having a board meeting for instance and we want to discuss our produ- productions of the past month you'd be able to show uh, some uh, some clips of what we've done uh, also, if we were working together, if we are working together with other parties, and we're doing a project together with partners, then you will have these meetings where you want to show what you've done. And so I figured, you know, let's put a TV. Flat screen TVs nowadays are so cheap uh, compared to a couple of years ago. Uh, that might be a very good investment. But then, of course, the plans changed because um, we decided to turn the biggest room, which is the room on the street side, that's also where uh, most of the day you have the sun, so it's a much brighter room, much nicer room to be in, to turn that into a combined room for three things. Uh, It would be our our meeting room. So we bought a bigger table, like a meeting table at Ikea. Uh, But that way we we don't spend our time having meetings. I mean, (laughs) meetings are necessary, but they're my least favorite activity because it's just... You know, there to make sure that um, wow, the heather here is 
uh, by the way, much more beautiful than back there in the woods. I guess this area is more exposed to the sun, so it's this is really in full bloom. Look at that bright purple color here. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, meetings are necessary, but they're not productive. I mean, they don't yield productions for our audience, and that's where... The, the, where it really matters for us it's making sure that uh, like all our resources and all our time is mainly dedicated to to productions to content that benefits you because it's for you that we build all this up it's not for ourselves <laughs> so the meetings is just a small part of our activities the second use for that room and hopefully this will be realized soon is that it can be a perfect place to have a number of people working on content. Um, for the past few years, uh, most of the time when, when I prepare a podcast, I do it by myself. Uh, if it's a co-hosted podcast, we may have like a common document over Google Documents or we'll use what some other kind of document in the cloud so we can work on, to, on, on the preparation of the show, adding topics, etc., uh, with two people but ideally if we ramp up production and we want to do more uh, and not just audio and not just live streams of audio productions but also create specific video content for Facebook or for Twitter or YouTube and if we want to work on more ambitious projects like documentaries and television series ideally we would have people working on on the preparation of those productions uh, because every hour that I have to spend on preparing um, these productions and that's what I do for instance when I uh, pre- uh, make a television show it's uh, there's a lot of work involved before you even start filming well if I could outsource that to other people that will give me more time to do what I do best and that is to film to go out there and to uh, to make the actual show. Uh, so that meeting room, that table, is a table that you can sit, on, sit at um, also for, for a more extensive period of time. We made sure not to buy um, a dinner table, even though the, those are usually much cheaper. But a dinner table usually has the wrong height. Plus it almost always has this uh, extra plank or whatever it is so that if you sit in front of it you're you're you can't change the height of your chair etc so those are not really good tables to work at for an extensive time so in this case we bought a much better table it's really a meeting table and a working table and all we're going to do is we're going to get uh desk chairs so uh not not just uh again uh like dinner table chairs even though those are cheaper We'll just get adjustable desk chairs that have a good dorsal support so that if we grow and we can hire more people to produce our content and prepare our content, they can work in that space. And the table is big enough for to have at least four people working with their laptops without, you know, being in their way. <laughs> and in order to, be, to, to do that, the, big, the bigger room was much better. You know, if you have four people working in a tiny space, it gets really unpleasant. Whereas in this 
room is much much you know there's more air more space it's nicer nicer environment and i i can't wait for the day that i can tell you that we have four people working there full time <laughs> and it's going to happen i'm sure of it we've we've grown so so fast these past two years and we've also grown in terms of our vision knowing what we want to do and what our audience is and what what that audience wants that i'm i'm very confident that in uh, a year, give it two years from now, this will be uh, this space will be will be uh, used to to its full capacity. Now, the, and the third use for that bigger room is um, it's, it's it, it could be a place where we record shows like talk shows with multiple hosts. Um, if you've ever watched the uh, shows on Twit TV. Uh, which is Leo Laporte's network, they have a number of shows where multiple people discuss the topics. So they sit at this larger table, and and uh, the the show itself is a discussion between these people. Now, this is a very common format in the television world, and uh, it's it's definitely something that we can do on a small scale, create talk shows like that uh, where the d- the dynamism the the energy of the show comes from the interaction of the various people that are there live in the studio so this bigger table we can turn that uh 90 degrees and then film from the side and have at least three people sit at that table discussing you know any topics and that is what eighty or ninety percent of the shows of the Twit uh, TV network are consist of? It's just you know three people talking. You got the main host, you've got two guests talking about stuff and uh, having a nice backdrop. So that room will be able to, with very very little effort, will will be able to be turned into a um, a panel discussion studio. So it's not just a meeting room. But we can actually use it as a studio as well. So that's Studio 2. And so while kind of thinking that through, how can we make the most out of, these, out of this very limited space that we have, um, we are now able to have two rooms that are multifunctional and one editing room. So we've got the podcast room, but that's going to be a full-fledged desk as well. So if I'm not podcasting, if we're not streaming, we can have someone else working on, you know, business, administration, what doesn't really matter. And then we have the second room that functions for meetings, for uh, desk work, and f- as a studio, as a second bigger studio. Um, the, uh, the, the thing is, that the only thing that I'm still... Um, trying to figure out is how you know what kind of desk do we want to have um, and how are we going to make this look attractive on video and for the uh, I've got, I go back to studio one where I'll do most of the podcasting that original idea of putting a tv on the wall flat screen tv on the wall uh, I was talking with Inga the other day our producer so what can we do on that back wall uh, to to make sure that those videos that we record there are nice to look at, you know, are visually nice and that we can diversify. Because nothing is worse than having 
uh, video shows on YouTube or on Facebook that always look the same no matter what you're talking about, whether I do a, a short segment about Star Trek or about growing your own herbs in your kitchen, if it's, st- if it's the same brown background, visually it's not going to be an enticement for people to click on that video. And so all of a sudden I was like, well, what if we would do what these late night shows do all the time? You know, referring to the American talk shows like uh, Stephen Colbert's late night show and then you have the late, late show, etc. A lot of these shows have backdrops that consist of video panels and they project, usually if they're late night shows, some kind of skyline of whatever city they're in. Of course, it's not a real window, but it, it kind of functions visually as a window on the, on the, on the world uh, in which your show takes place. So it creates mood. And I don't know if you realize that, but a lot of the late-night talk shows are not recorded live. What you're watching has been recorded at 12 o'clock or even before that in, during the day. I realized that when, myself when I went to see uh, Jimmy Fallon's TV show. Uh, before he took over that uh, the bigger late night show, he had his own show, and uh, I was in New York with Cliff Ravenscraft. We were there for a conference, and uh, Cliff managed to get us tickets for the Jimmy Fallon show, and it was, to my great surprise, filmed in the middle of the day, <laughs> even though the entire show felt like it was evening. Now, one of the ways in which they do that is that skyline, that backdrop, and I thought, well, wait a minute. I was always thinking about, like, a a relatively small TV in the background, kind of putting something that looks... You see that in a lot of news shows, where the presenter is sitting on the left or on the right, and then on the other side of the image, you have this rectangular screen on which they will project the photo of whatever they're talking about. So that's a very classic look. all All of a sudden, I'm thinking, well, I'm so close to the wall. Wouldn't it be an idea to put a much bigger TV in the background and do what these talk shows do. Just project whatever picture is suitable to the type of show that you're making in, in the, on, on the big screen and film the host in front of that big TV. Um, and so I spent most of yesterday uh, doing tests I haven't bought any equipment yet. I haven't bought any furniture yet. Uh, but what I did was I created an outline of a desk that would fit in the space. Um, I cut it out in cardboard, put it on a keyboard stand so it would get the appropriate height. We do have the desk chairs already, which I'm super excited about. I'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, the... Uh, so we put everything in place, and then I placed a, a camera, just a regular camera that we would use in the future as well. And, and I was trying to figure out the best outline, and then I had to kind of f- measure how big that TV should be behind me to cover the entire backdrop. Uh, and then I went to one of our electronics store to just scout for possibilities, you know, what would these TV cost? Now, as you can imagine... You need a pretty big TV to cover the entire wall. I think I always, you know, a lot of these TVs are measured in inches and it's the diameter of the screen. 
but the room we measured that in centimeters <laughs> so i needed to have the specific size you know the height and the width of the of the tvs and i think uh in order to get a good backdrop a good effect um, that would fill the entire screen of our videos you'd need to have a tv that is around 150 uh, 148 centimeters long and that's about i don't know 75 80 centimeters high uh, but even better would be um the currently the biggest tv size that is available on the market which would be 167 centimeters long and uh what is it 90 centimeters tall almost a meter tall that would fill the entire screen um i think it is like 70 inches or 71 inches or something like that it's like gigantic if you go to the stores it's really the biggest size that they have and of course because of that they're the most expensive televisions and it's so funny how uh once you start to build up your you start to scale up what you do i i wasn't that shocked actually reading the prices it's much more much more money than i would ever spend on something for myself but i'm thinking if we use this as our main desk for 50 percent of our video productions and it will enable us to create content on a daily basis you have to take the price of a of a, a set like that and divide that over the number of productions that you're going to make with it and then ultimately the price is not that high. It's actually quite negligible. It's like when I bought um, the DSLR, which I bought for my own money. Uh, but if had I bought it for the for our TV business, um, then you know that was about what was it, eight hundred, a little bit more, nine hundred euros, including the lens, uh, for a you know TV grade DSLR that I can use for my. Uh, work in, in Rome well let's say I spend a thousand on that I can create at least five shows this year alone with that camera every show will bring in five thousand euro so even with the if I would only film one show it still would be only 20% of the costs and, and you get a return on invest so it's kind of in those perspectives um, and I think the same is true with a, with a backdrop like that and creating a set. You could also go the conventional way and create a fixed set, which I do a lot in also bloggers, vloggers nowadays and smaller companies that want to have a web presence. They will invest in, in the creation of a set. And so it means they will, you know, get a room and make sure the lighting is, is good and, and, and uh, They'll buy furniture and decoration in the background. If you want to do that in a really good way, normally you would hire someone to do that for you, a set dresser or uh, perhaps even a second person, a lighting specialist. Well, hiring those people for one day, hiring an expert for a day will easily cost you 400, 500 euros. Um, that's what we pay our, our cameraman and, and our sound man and everything. So, uh, within if, even if they would just work for one day, and a project like that, of course, usually takes much more time, you would already have spent a couple of thousand. Uh, 
So that's the same as getting a TV like that and being able to do any set you want, any backdrop you want with a few mouse clicks because, of course, then you would put a Chromecast in, in the HDMI out of, the, of a TV like that and you would just program that, which could mean that, for, you know, with a click of the mouse, you can create a totally different atmosphere for the, for the viewer. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking of now. Of course, this is a kind of a bigger expense, so I need to uh, go talk to the board and see in our long time uh, uh, if it fits into our budget. But we've saved a lot of money on, on the studios itself that we projected because we worked with parish volunteers and uh, we found solutions that were much cheaper than we budgeted. So I think there's still space to do this. And one other thing that I need to figure out is if, if you put a TV like that as a backdrop, won't it create all sorts of reflection issues and perhaps even frequency problems with the camera being on a different frequency than the television? But that's all kind of minor stuff. But I'm excited to have found something that will like elevate the quality of what we can provide uh, our audiences with to a level that we've never been able to reach. Now, I know that some of the geeks among you may think, or may even write right now in the comments, well, why don't you use green screen? And it's definitely something I've considered. Uh, and we've used it in the past in experiments. But there are two downsides with green screen. One, it is not as easy as it seems, especially in smaller rooms. A green screen set requires you to have some distance between you and the screen. Um, and to light the screen with lights that are behind the person that is in front of the green screen. That person needs to be lit separately. And the reason is that if you get too close to the screen, there is actually green reflection coming from the screen, hitting the person that you are trying to film. And that green hue will create all sorts of, will create all sorts of rendering problems. And of course, you know, it's green, so it's not, it's not a nice color to see in the final result. So knowing that we have this tiny little space, a green screen, just from the perspective of, of or from the point of, uh, the, how do you say that? Because of the problem of the, of the green reflection is not feasible because then we'd have to move the desk at least a meter or even two meters to the other side of the room, which won't, that will fill up the entire room. We, there won't be any space anymore for a camera or, or, or anything. That's the one reason. The second reason is that if you're not recording, that green screen in the room looks so ugly. <laughs> it's a, such a harsh color, and it's really not the kind of atmosphere that I like uh, in, in our in our because these rooms are multifunctional. So I don't want that, this big honking green screen to be in that space all the time. So uh, that's why you know I, I uh, perhaps the third reason is green screen always requires a, a third step. Uh, you film, um, no, it's actually a second step, you film, and then you have to replace the green screen with software into whatever image you have. And so that requires uh, either post-production, where you do that in your editing suite, or um, a program that is able to uh, replace that green screen on the spot. But then... It, that software needs to be activated. It needs to 
you know, the, the, the signal needs to be mixed. That's a lot to worry about when you're, when you're doing a show by yourself. So it's probably much more complicated to do something like that in, for, the, for the kind of use or the kind of uh, way in which we, we film and, and broadcast our, our content right now. So that's, um, well, that's the whole story about the rooms. I didn't want to go in this much detail. I hope I, I know that some of you enjoy this, <laughs> but other people was like, well, this is not the, the walk that we're used to. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's, uh, it's a bit of a tech talk, but it's, right now it's important to me in terms of getting everything in place so that by the end of summer, we can get going and we can get into this new phase of Tridio. Final thing I'm going to say about is, is uh, currently we're planning on a grand opening of our studios in October. October is the month of Therese of Lisieux. She, her feast is on the 1st of October. And she's the patron saint of, of the mission. And what we do, we consider that to be missionary work. In, literally, in the sense that we are trying to reach the ends of the earth with our message with the message of the gospel and doing that in a way that will reach as many people as as possible so it's missionary work and Therese has always been kind of the secret patron saint of what I do she's been instrumental in my own vocation to the priesthood and I've always asked her for her intercession so that our mission in the media would would be what God wants and would have uh, would be fruitful, and I, I really believe that her prayer has been very helpful. So, having the grand opening in October, the first of October, is her day. Um, I think it would be a, a great way to put her patronage, uh, to link that patronage to the kind of this new phase in what we do. Um, so, the more updates about that. Of course, that's going to take place in Amersfoort, the Netherlands. So if you want to come over, <laughs> it may be a bit of a, a journey, but um, we'll make sure that we, uh, we also communicate the, whatever we do for that opening um, uh, with, with all of our audiences. That's the advantage of multimedia. You can always film it, share it in many ways. So that's, so that's currently, that was what I was doing uh, in the past week. Uh, it requires a lot of focus because it's it's very creative work. You have to fo- really think hard about you know what is how can we maximize the use of this. But it's a one time uh, one time only um, investment of my of my focus and resources. I hear a road. It's in front of me. I'm walking towards it. So I'm actually I made I actually, I now I see the car has been between the trees. That is not where I want to walk, actually. So I'm going to walk back and head into the forest again. Uh, that is why this morning I'm so glad to be outside and uh, uh, be in nature again because I've been going from Ikea to uh, desk chair store to, you know, the studios below and a lot of it has been spent on on talking with other people and trying to figure this thing out and i'm i'm glad to be elsewhere for for a second
and think are thinking about the lo- uh, the bigger picture. Uh, one final element you mentioned the desk chairs. That's been a massive improvement. Um, I've always used uh, secondhand desk chairs uh, for a long time, or even just you know, dinner table chairs to sit at, because desk chairs are are expensive. Um, and I remember that uh, when I did the radio show on on Dutch radio, uh, the the thing that I enjoyed most of the studio, the small radio studio where we would record the shows, was the desk chair, which was so good, and you could basically set it exactly to your high to the kind of dorsal support you wanted but also those chairs were expensive and so I never even considered getting something like that for myself but now that I'm responsible for the people that will work at the Tridio offices in the future it also means that I'm required to um, conform to the what they call in our country the Arbo Laws, which is a set of laws that are uh, uh, created for the protection of the working environment and the health of your employees. So, as a as an um, as a uh, I'm not a CEO really, but as as a company or a um, a, uh, a corporation, we are responsible for the health of our workers, and we need to provide them with. Uh, equipment uh, when it comes to the the workspace that is not hurting them and so the a lot of the cheaper options are out of the question like uh, using a dinner table instead of a desk you need to have an adjustable desk and if you can't adjust the height of the desk you need to have adjustable chairs and I bought a chair last year two years ago I think at Ikea the same chair, I think, that um, Cliff has in his um, uh, office. If you've ever seen uh, Cliff Ravenscraft's videos. It's a big chair with a big, you know, back. And I remember trying it out in the store. And I was like, wow, this is so comfortable and nice. And had these armrests and everything. It looks professional. I thought it was pretty expensive back then. It was more than 100 euros. Like, wow, well, you know what? Most of my work is behind a desk. I need to invest. Let's go for it. And the first few months, there, it was really a huge improvement because you could change the inclination of, this, of the seat and everything. But then over time, I started to notice some downsides, one of which was the armrests. Yes, the armrests were nice and comfortable and cushioned, but... They were so large that every time I wanted to sit closer to the desk, they would bump into the, the, the edge of the table. So I was always sitting a little bit on the edge of the seat and, and it felt like my arms were too short to reach my uh, keyboard. And I, I ended up uh, taking them off again, screwing them off. That was the first indicator that this may not be as professional a desk chair as I thought it would, uh, was. It was. Then the second uh, issue started to appear. I noticed that the seat, which was... Uh, there's foam in it. And there's some kind of fake leather on top of it. The seat initially was very comfortable. But over time, after a couple of months, the foam started to become softer. And very soon, I was sitting there at that desk and... Um, 
Well, my behind was, was, was painful. <laughs> the chair was not as comfortable as it used to be. The foam had become much, much too soft. And then it would lose its supportive function. So the chair hurt my bottom. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. So that was the second uh, thing. And then the dorsal support is the final thing. There's a kind of a mesh uh, at the back, which is very nice in this warm weather because it's uh it's airy but it has a problem it uh it it's uh, becomes it weakens over time and so the dorsal support that i felt in the first few months of the chair started to wane and my uh, I, I noticed that my whole attitude behind the desk was degrading and uh it be, it got so bad that after a while i i had to use this timer on my computer to tell me that it was time to get up and take a walk. I couldn't sit for extensive times. Uh, and also when I was using the, the desk uh, and the computer for leisurely activities, you know, for playing video games, every time I would get tired, just tired of sitting. So because we had to get uh, new furniture for, uh, for our studios below, uh, I went with Inga to a uh, specialty sh- store for offices. And I always resented those stores. I was like, oh, you're going to get ripped off. You know, they work with big companies. And so everything is overpriced. And why not just go to Ikea? Much cheaper. But then I had this bad experience with Ikea's top desk chair. And I just didn't want to repeat it. So instead, we went to this store and we got some amazing advice. There's this guy who explained the difference between all those different types of chairs and, and why, for instance, my existing chair uh, was degrading so quickly over time. He said, it's, it's the type of foam that they use. You've got this, um, you've got cold foam, which is really sturdy and it will give support over an extensive period of time it may even last as long as 10 years and then you've got the softer foam which is used in cheaper chairs which is instantly comfortable and he showed me a chair and was like just sit down and you'll feel this is really feels great well he said this is a quality chair this foam uh, will need to be replaced in, within three or five years so this chair in order to get to the, the best support it will still be usable after five years but it will have lost its its optimal support um, in within three years because the foam itself, because it's softer, will degrade and will start to be less, you know, spongy over time. Um, and so he showed me another uh, two uh, two chairs that had a combination of the foam and then one that had like the the best the, the professional foam. And he said that that chair um, would last more than ten years easily um and this was based on this was their best-selling chair uh and uh the feedback over the years has always confirmed what the uh label was uh, was telling like this is the best investment <sighs> however expensive chair i mean the chair uh, the ikea chair was um what did i think 120 or something like that this chair was i think 850 or 900 euros which is a tremendous amount of money uh, for personal use 
But again, having that mindset of we're building a business. This is what I do all day long. I'm spending hundreds of hours on that chair in order to create programs that will ultimately uh, bring in uh, a <laughs> multiple, multiple times the revenue uh, that we would spend on a chair like that. So if you look at the use that you'll have of this chair and the benefit it will be to your, uh, to, to, to your uh, health, is actually, if you, if you look at how long this chair will last, it's a much better investment than going for the cheap IKEA chair. That may be cheap, but then a year later, it's already unusable in a way. And so I decided for once to invest in my health and get that chair. And lo and behold, I was watching, um, what was it? I think it was The Late Show with the, the Stephen Colbert show. Uh, like a clip on, on, on video on, on YouTube. And he was sitting in the same chair as I did. <laughs> it was this, exactly the same one. Like, wow, okay. If it's good enough for Stephen Colbert's behind, then it's certainly good for me. <laughs> so, and the, the, the change, the, the, the effect has been tremendous. I mean, what a difference with that IKEA chair. Unbelievable. I, I can sit for an entire day, can work at the computer for an entire day and feel nothing. It's like in the sense that it's, it's so much good support. Uh, the armrests are half the size of the armrests of the IKEA chair. And you can move them in both up and down so that the armrests have to be at the same uh, height as the desk itself. But you can also move them back and forth so that you can sit closer to the desk and still have armrest support. There is no chair in the IKEA Gamma that can do that. So I am so... And then we got two of the also professional desk chairs, but a little less expensive for down the stairs. For the, one for the editing room, so the editor can sit there and have good dorsal support. Um, and then the other one is for the podcast studio, which will also double as a uh, place, a workstation for uh, a secretary or you know, administrative purposes. So we have two good chairs. And then for the meeting room, we'll also get... Uh, well, we'll get IKEA desk chairs. They just introduced a new model um, that is, uh, has much, much, much better support than the previous ones. It doesn't have the thick foam on the, on the uh, seat of the chair uh, that will degrade over time. It's a, it's a pretty comfortable chair, and it's like a fraction of the cost, of course. And since... Uh, there won't be people working there full-time anytime soon. Figured it was a good decision to, uh, to go for that, for those. And um, so we'll get four or six of those. And that's about it. Now, final thing, and then I need to start wrapping up. I'm again approaching another road here. That's funny. I, I'm just really not, I'm not aware of where I'm walking, but I wonder if this is the same road or another one, that doesn't matter. So the final thing I wanted to share with you is an amazing, amazing change uh, in my this, the quality of sleep. I've I don't think I've shared this that much with you, so I don't like to complain. <laughs> but the past year, I had so much trouble 
sleeping. Um, and the main reason was that I would always wake up. Uh, oops, sorry, there's a spider in my hair. And <laughs> what happened is I walked underneath a tree and then a spider decided that she wanted to land on my head, which I didn't notice until the spider itself was floating in front of my <clears throat> digital recorder. I was already wondering where the itch came from. Okay. Spiders. Great. Great friends of mine. Um, the, I would always wake up multiple times during the night. Uh, and you may remember that I, told you, I, I talked about getting a new mattress. The old mattress I had it for more than 10 years. I bought it um, the moment I came back from Rome. Um, I, I got a new mattress, which I ordered online, which is the stupidest thing you could do. Because <laughs> you can't really try it out or exchange it. But anyway, that mattress uh, had a big, was sagging in the middle tremendously. And I had a lot of dorsal problems because of that. So about a year ago, I... I decided to bite the bullet, went, went to Ikea, and spent more than 200 euros on a mattress, which I thought at the time was an outrageous amount of money. <laughs> Again, it's like, <sighs> when it comes to health, I uh, should, should first read and then purchase. But anyway, I went to test the, the mattresses at Ikea, and uh, finally got one that was super thick, um, and got another bed entirely. Um, the guy had a kind of a cheap bed, in, which I got rid of. Got it more, um, like a, more like a hotel bed. Um, all in the hopes that it would improve the quality of sleep. Which it did in the first few weeks. And then that mattress started to sag in the middle as well. And it was actually too soft. Um, and so every time I would turn during the night... I would wake up because it, the mattress was so soft that I had to put effort into turning on my side. And that broke up almost every night. And I just, I was always tired. There were days that I had to lie down after lunch and I would sleep for two hours. And I would still be tired when, after waking up. And um, those problems, strangely enough, disappeared when I started to walk the Camino. Um, of course, this is also linked to the physical exercise every day. I mean, you do tend to sleep well when you've walked um, for seven hours or eight hours. <laughs> but what, that wasn't the only thing. I just noticed that a lot of the beds in which I was sleeping um, were uh, had very thin mattresses. Um, some of them, or most of them, actually covered in rubber and rubber sheets. So, you know, whatever um, sweat and everything wouldn't enter the mattress. So it was actually a, a very cheap mattresses usually, but what they all had in common was that they were tough and they were thin. And uh, I remember particularly one time, one night, and this was towards the end of the Camino, um, I discovered this alberg that was brand new. And one of the things on their website that they advertised with were, we have memory foam beds. And... Uh, I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Memory foam for pilgrims, come on. I slept on the floor. Um, 
And yet that night, I, I just, the difference was so tremendous. It was such a, I had such a good night's sleep. It's one of the few times that I felt like, wow, this is what a mattress is supposed to feel like. And so I opened the, the, the cover around the, that was uh, over the mattress, this, this rubber protection thing. And it turned out to be a, 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 an Ikea mattress, a very thin foam Ikea mattress. I still, I still didn't, when I came back, didn't change the mattress. And after I got back, the same problems re- immediately came back. I couldn't sleep. I would wake up six, seven times, perhaps even more. I don't even realize half of the time that I would wake up. But every time I would wake up, I would be broken and tired. And, uh, and I would have pain in my lower back and everything. Um, and you know, I was doing everything I was I supposed to do, turning the mattress every every few weeks and changing the sheets. It's, uh, it was back to where I was before the Camino. And then I went to France <laughs> to that not so good uh, vacation cottage. But the only thing that was good was the mattress on my bed. And again, it was this thin, tough mattress, and I slept so well. I, I, I blamed it on, yeah, it's probably because I'm on vacation and fatigue is kicking in, but it was more than that. It was just having this super flat, uh, sturdy mattress. Uh, it just made all the difference. And so when I got back home uh, and I had another few nights of pain and suffering and waking up all the time, I decided I'm done with it. And the reason that I did not want to go back and buy another mattress was that I spent so much money on the on the one that I had. And it's like, I just bought it. And of course, it's now past the time that you can go back to Ikea and complain about it. You can still they have like a 10 year um, guarantee on the mattress. But the only thing they will do is they'll first send over someone to verify if it's bad enough and then they will exchange it for the same mattress. So, no, I don't want this type of mattress anymore. Um, so I was like, okay, well, we'll see what we'll do, but I need my sleep. Again, it's the sleep determines how much I get done during the day. And if I'm constantly tired, I lose hours per day because I'm exhausted. I'm going to get myself a new mattress. Went back to Ikea and found the mattress that had been such a great uh, experience during the Camino. And it was the cheapest mattress they had. It was literally the cheapest one of the entire range. So, like, that's it. I'm going to get this mattress. I don't care if I have to invest again in, uh, in, in, in a mattress, uh, even though I did that last year. I'm going to get this one. And even if it is uh, starting to sag after a year, it's so cheap that next year I can, buy, I can buy a new one and start all over again. I don't think that will happen. But... And so, change the mattress. And since then, literally, the night after I, I put the mattress in place, I left it one day. So it, it's, when you buy it, it's uh, rolled up. So it needs some time to uh, get to its full strength. And once I put it uh, and I slept on it, I slept the entire night. I woke up fully rested. I hadn't gotten out of bed once during the entire night. 
I had been dreaming. I was, it, was, it was one of those mornings where you wake up and you're like, oh, I had such a good night's sleep. And then the next day, the next night, the same thing. I woke up and was like, I haven't slept this well in years. The third night, again, I mean, this is statistically has to be linked to the mattress. I woke up again and I was like, I have slept the entire night. I don't remember. I don't feel like I woke up one single time during the, these nights. And the, the, how I feel during the day has been so much better. Much more energy. I'm much more alert. I don't have those uh, fatigue attacks anymore in the afternoon. It's, it's literally been a difference of between day and night. It's crazy. And so I'm so happy that I changed that, uh, that mattress. And um, so again, I, I went from, for those of you that are now intrigued, like, oh, I have problems too. What I got was a, a thin mattress. It's a foam-based mattress. So it's the memory foam. It's the only type they have. And, uh, and I, I went for the, the rugged one. So you have like I think it's like middle middle hard you get soft although i don't think they sell that anymore and then you've got the medium stiffness and i went for stiff and uh, wow i should have done this five years ago <laughs> incredible well that's what i wanted to share with you during this episode of the walk it's a bit of a an update on what's go- currently going on in my life and in the life of uh, Tridio, and there is so much more I want to share with you. This is the kind of stuff I don't really get the time to share on the break or on Geek Week because those are kind of short shows, and and there's a lot, a lot of a lot of stuff in there. It's, I kind of take advantage of the walk to uh, to take some you know extensive time to bring you up to speed. I hope you you don't mind, and if if you know this episode wasn't to your liking, then there is always the next episode. And I may actually go back to the topic of simplicity. Um, You know, I've been working hard on getting rid of my stuff, but it's also uh, getting to another level. It is simplicity in the way I live my life and the things that I undertake. That may be a good topic for the next show. So stay tuned. Talk to you soon. And until the next time, God bless.